Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver, and we have a very special guest today, Elizabeth Higby with St. Raphael's Counseling. And we have a real difficult topic that we need to address because it's so much in the news. But just to give you a heads up, we will be talking about suicide today. So depending on who's listening, uh, use your best judgment. Well, thanks, Elizabeth, for coming. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? I know there's a lot of letters that come after your name uh, that that I I can't even remember. Yeah. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm originally from New York. I've been in Denver for about six years I would have never guessed with the accent. (laughs) It's funny. People say I don't have an accent, um, but at times it comes out, particularly after speaking to my mother at length. Um, Anyway, so I am a therapist, as you said, with St. Raphael Counseling, and um, there I do work with a variety of people, I'd say, from many different walks of life, um, different ages. Uh, My favorite age group, I think, is young adults. I really like working with young adults, and I really have a heart for women. I love working with women. Um, I also have experience, though, I worked for a number of years on an inpatient child and adolescent psychiatric unit. Was that here in Denver? Or? Uh, yes. Okay. And so um, I did that for a number of years. And my work there, I was a family therapist. And um, most of so the reasons for psychiatric hospitalization would include suicidality, so danger to self or others. Um, and so a lot of our kids, what we were seeing was either suicidal thoughts with a plan or they had already attempted um, and after getting medical care were brought to us for evaluation. So I worked with the families trying to figure out, you know, what was the precipitating factor? Is there something we can work through or talk through that would help um, at least start the process of resolving that? And then how do we keep this kiddo safe going forward? So you had a lot of experience with that. So now in your practice uh, with St. Raphael's, do you still see that as a, a, a big issue? So it's it's less acute. Um, outpatient therapy is just always less acute than an inpatient right. setting. Um, but I would say, you know, I, I'd say we still see people struggling with depression, anxiety, um, who from time to time have what we call kind of passive suicidal ideation. So thoughts of I wish I were dead or I would be fine if I got some disease and just died in a few months or I wish I would just not wake up. Those kinds of passive thoughts, I'd say, are, are more common. Um, less acute, but still concerning. We keep an eye on it. And so, you know, really the reason, you know, we talked even before this of ha- of having this interview was, you know, we've seen tons of celebrities, mm-hmm. um, you know, from Robin Williams all the way to the present time. Um, and you hear about these suicides and it's just, uh, you know, it's astonishing. You know, I imagine people think, well, they have everything. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, mm-hmm. what what could be the problem? So how common are suicidal thoughts? And what kind of precipitates that? I mean, why, why would one individual have them and another not mm-hmm. in the same situation? So, um, like I said, there's kind of a spectrum of suicidality, right? So we see less acute, which is sort of those passive thoughts, but no real intention of acting on them. And then we see the most acute, which is I, I want to die, I have a plan to die, and this is how I intend to do it. And that would be really when hospitalization is needed to stabilize a person. Um, and so there is that big spectrum, and it's it's difficult to say where how many people fall on that spectrum and where they fall. Um, but we do have statistics from the Center for Center for Disease Control, um, and we know that suicide is the tenth leading cause of death in the United States currently. 
And in 2016, it was responsible for nearly 45,000 deaths. Wow, that's something you don't hear. Mm-hmm. And to put that in perspective, that's approximately one every 12 minutes. Wow. So these are big numbers. So how common are suicidal thoughts? So those numbers that I just provided are completed suicides. And when we look at the picture of how many people are actually experiencing suicidal thoughts or attempting but surviving, we have a much bigger number. So 9.8 million American adults seriously thought about suicide in the year 2016. Um, And 2.8 million made a plan. 1.3 million completed that plan or at least attempted to complete that plan but survived. That's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even comprehend those kind of numbers. And I, you can it's knock huge. me over with a feather that there's no way I would have thought that number mm-hmm. would have come out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Is there an age group that's more prone to suicidal thoughts and, and ideations? Yes. So, And gender as well is important. Gender, so yeah. males complete suicide at a rate of nearly four times that of females. Um, there's a number of um, kind of theories of, of that. Um, men tend to use more lethal means in a suicide attempt. Um, So that is a factor to consider as well. Um, As far as age is concerned, among females, the suicide rate was highest for those aged 45 to 54. And among males, the suicide rate is highest for those aged 65 and older. So the elderly are particularly at at risk. Um, For females, it's more that middle age. Well, and we see with the elderly, I mean, we live in a state where euthanasia got passed. I mean, you know, they almost encourage it, which mm-hmm. is which is sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the causes that would lead one to think about a suicide attempt? I mean, maybe it's life issues or what 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 leads people to think that? Is there something that happens more often than not? So I think it's a really complex question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> with, a, with a complex answer as well. Um, I think that, you know, there are many risk factors for suicide that we can look at. But, of course, there's not one or two or five or even ten reasons that we can say every suicide boils down to one of these things. Right, right. right. Um, the risk factors that we know that are highly associated with suicidal behavior, there's some obvious ones like mental illness, depression particularly is highly associated Um, A family history of suicide is an important factor during evaluation. So if we're working with someone who's experiencing depression or suicidal thoughts, we do want to know, are there any completed suicides in your family history? Would that be because it it may not be, I don't know if it's a chemistry thing or just because it's happened Mm -hmm. that it becomes more prevalent in somebody's mind? That's interesting that it would be. It uh, is. Come down in families like that. And it's, an, it's a hard thing to kind of uh, determine what the actual uh, mechanism by which that happens is. Um, there is. We know that there is a genetic component to depression and anxiety and a number of other mental health conditions that are associated with depression. So there is that genetic predisposition uh, piece of the puzzle. And then there also is a question of, particularly with immediate family, there's a trauma when somebody loses somebody to suicide. And so, um, you know, how that may play in as well. So if somebody's sitting there listening to this, and are, are there signs that mm-hmm. people should be looking for, you know, from a loved one? And yes. if they see those signs, what should they do? Mm-hmm. So first of all, the risk factors, um, to go back a little bit, the depressive disorder, but also um, isolation is a pretty big risk factor. I think that's one of the reasons we see a lot of the elderly um, that are at higher risk because they tend to be more isolated, have left, less community engagement, less family around them. 
Um, a history of abuse in childhood also it puts somebody at higher risk of suicide. Um, unwillingness to seek help, barriers to treatment. So barriers could be anything from financial. Barriers to effective treatment is also a risk factor. And barriers could be anything from financial barriers, geographical barriers, to um, cultural barriers, uh, linguistic barriers. There's a lots of re there are a lot of reasons that someone may have difficulty accessing services. So we, we came up with a lot of factors that people could look for. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're a family member, is yes. there something specific, you know, not like everybody does this, wow, I need to go get help immediately, but mm -hmm. it, it ought to put something on your radar. Yes. There are absolutely warning signs that have been uh, seen as kind of patterns in suicidal individuals. Um, of course, obvious ones, somebody talking about suicide, somebody saying, I want to end my life, I just wish I was dead, those kinds of comments. Um, we also see a lot of, particularly with young people, Googling ways to end my life. Mm -hmm. So um, looking up, researching ways to die, researching suspicious things, um, that should be also a warning sign. More subtle behaviors, though, might include giving away belongings that they value. Um, writing letters, texts, or calling somebody to say goodbye or to have this kind of vague conversation kind of that cryptic, feels maybe. like a goodbye, but yeah. it's not clear. Um, with young people, we see a lot of social media posts kind of reaching out for help or letting people know that they're feeling suicidal. Um, withdrawing from activities that were previously very important to them, as well as relationships. So isolating from loved ones, those are all uh, warning signs that we see. There's a really interesting one um, that we see sometimes, and that is a sudden improvement in mood. So oftentimes after a suicide is uh, completed or after an attempt, family members will say, gosh, we're just so shocked because he or she seemed in the last few weeks or few months to just be doing much better all of a sudden. Um, and what we think is happening there is there's a sense of relief that can come when somebody finally makes the decision to follow through with their plan. So if they've been feeling very down, very depressed, and having suicidal thoughts for a long period of time, and they finally say, I'm going to follow through with it, this is when I'm going to do it and how I'm going to do it, there can be an element of relief that looks like an improvement in mood. So what does someone do mm -hmm. if they notice some of these warning signs? Do you do you talk to the individual? Mm -hmm. Do you do you try to seek help elsewhere to get some advice? I mean, what mm -hmm. what should one do? So I think it depends on how imminent the risk feels. Obviously, if there's an imminent risk, that individual needs to be evaluated immediately by a professional. Um, sometimes calling the police is the best bet because they can come and uh, place a mental health hold if needed and transport the individual to medical attention where they can be further evaluated. If it's just a sense that this person seems to be really down, um, first step is always talking to them, right? Right. Um, because it's it's loved ones that have the ability to engage somebody and say, I'm really worried about you. Your life matters to me. And so for that reason, I really think we should seek out some professional help with this. Okay. Again, you're listening to Respect Life Radio. Our special guest today is Elizabeth Higby with St. Raphael's Counseling. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about these type of things. Now, you've written an article recently mm -hmm. that might be good for people to read. Can you talk about a little bit about the article and then how one would find it? Yeah. So I wrote this article in response to some of the recent celebrity suicides. Um, it can be found on the Catholic Charities website as well as on the Catholic Charities Facebook page. 
Um, and, you know, I think my reasoning for the topic or the way that I approached the topic was due to what I was seeing happening in social media following those events. Um, it seems like the, the most common responses seem to fall in two categories. So if I were stroll, scro- excuse me, scrolling through comments on some you of could be strolling around too. <laughs> if I were scrolling through comments on some of these articles, I was seeing people either saying we need more mental health awareness and less stigma. That's the problem. That's the that's the real underlying cause of this this problem. Um, or there aren't enough mental health services. That's the problem, right? And so everyone kind of seems to fall into those two camps as far as what's the what's the issue and how do we fix it? While those things are absolutely important to consider, and we can always improve on mental health awareness, education, we can always work on decreasing stigma and improving our services, there still seems to be a piece of the puzzle missing. Um, Because in reality, we've never had so much awareness about mental health as we do today. And we've never had so much available information and education. There's absolutely still stigma, but I would venture to say it's lower than it used to be. As far as services are concerned, we've seen obviously a lot of changes in healthcare over the past few years here in this country. But I think, you know, there was a point in time where there were no community-based mental health services and institutionalization was the only option. Um, And so given all of that, it just, to me, it points to something bigger, something deeper um, that is at play here. So... I'm listening, maybe I'm struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts, or I have a loved one. How could we reach out to St. Raphael's, mm-hmm. or how could I or whoever, to, to set up a time to talk and, and kind of work through some of this and, and get a better feel for you know what's going on? Mm-hmm. So um, you can visit our website, St. Raphael's Counseling, sorry, St. Raphael Counseling.com, and our The phone number is 720-377-1359, and you can speak with the ladies at the front desk there. They can get you set up with an initial consult. What we do is we do what we call a risk-free consult. So it's a free uh, session where you get to meet with a counselor to see if it's a good fit. You can talk a little bit about what you're coming in for, um, and then at the end of the session, you'll determine, is this a good fit for us, and how can we move forward? So if somebody was struggling with suicidal thoughts, would you most likely do you have like a group of counselors who kind of you know that they work specialize in that or i don't know what you would call it necessarily i think all of our counselors are equipped to deal with that kind of symptom Um, if there is an imminent risk though i would not recommend calling a counseling practice because it can take time to set up an initial appointment and to get in the door and so um calling either going to the emergency room to be evaluated. The other thing that we have in Colorado that's really wonderful is Colorado Crisis Services. There are crisis walk-in clinics in each county, and um, they even have mobile crisis units that can come to where you are to evaluate you. And I'm going to give you also the hotline number if you're not sure of where the closest walk-in clinic is to your location, you can call the hotline and then they can direct you from there. Yeah, that would be great. So the Colorado crisis number is 1-844-493-8255. You can also text TALK in all capital letters, T-A-L-K, to the number 38255. And I know calling the main number, because mm-hmm. uh, when I was trying to schedule this, I would call the main number. And they say on the recording, if yes. you don't get a live person, if this is an emergency, mm-hmm. 
kind of what to do so yes. it doesn't keep people hanging. Absolutely. So somebody comes in, they do a free consult. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it's a fit and you end up you know, scheduling mm-hmm. other appointments. How does the faith play into this? Yeah, so, um, so in my article, I talked a lot about hopelessness being what I see as kind of uh, the source of this epidemic that we're seeing in our country. And as we know from that recent Pew study that came out, more and more people are identifying as the nuns, right? We call it the nuns. Yes, um, not, not N- the N-U-N-S. N-U-N-S, correct. N-O-N-E-S, right? So not affiliating with any religious um, belief system or not having any belief. And so, you know, I, th- I don't think that's a coincidence. Obviously, I don't have a study to back this up yet because I think but it would make sense. It's happening as we speak, yeah. right? Um, but it is my theory that without a faith in something bigger than ourselves, we can get lost. Um, and and I think our culture is moving more and more in the direction of um, sort of an emotionalism or the idea that if I feel something, that's my truth. That's that's what's happening. And so if we believe that our emotions are our God, or if our society is making emotions into a God, and we say, I feel like my life is worthless. I feel depressed. I feel hopeless. What what do we have beyond that if there's nothing bigger than our feelings? And we've ignored our intellect at that point. Right. So it's it's not an integrated uh, concept of the person, right? It's, It's kind of this... Um, segmenting of the person. And so I think that's part of what's going on Um, in Catholic counseling. Well, just in our faith in general, um, what we see with with Christianity is actually lower rates of suicide than the general public. And actually, Catholics have an even lower rate than Protestants. So it's really interesting. Um, It begs a lot of questions. Why is that? You know, what, what is it about the Catholic faith? One of the things that I think is at play is just the nature of our of our faith, what we believe, right? Um, we believe that it was through Christ's suffering and through his death on the cross that he defeated death. So as Catholics, we we assign meaning to suffering. We see it as valuable. It's redemptive. There's redemption available, right? There's sanctification that can happen through our pain if we allow it to, if we are able to endure um always calling on on God for for help in the process. Right. So somebody who has a deep faith mm-hmm. sees the suffering as an opportunity to draw closer to Christ yes. as opposed to mm-hmm. somebody who doesn't may see Christ getting further away from them mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's it's an excellent point and and the fact is if somebody does come to you faith plays into how you're helping them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? I mean if Christ isn't your foundation and we're not going to talk about Christ. And, and, I, and I understand not everybody's Catholic that comes right. to you and you have to kind of feel where they are. Yes. But if we're not sharing Christ, mm-hmm. then kind of shame on us, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the answer, right? Mm-hmm. The way, the truth, and the life. Absolutely. Uh, for us to think we're going to circumvent that and come up with some mm-hmm. new mm-hmm. Uh, theory or gizmo that's mm-hmm. going to uh, cure people, you know, we would just be fooling ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned hopelessness and hope, mm-hmm. right? The second theological mm-hmm. virtue. Mm-hmm. How do you combat, how do you work with somebody who is hopeless and try to give them hope? Mm-hmm. So there, 
I'd say there's a pretty big variety of ways in which I incorporate the faith into counseling with clients that are coming to St. Raphael Counseling. Um, on a base level, I'd say most clients want a Catholic therapist because they don't want to have to explain their beliefs. They don't want to have to justify their beliefs. They don't want to have to explain. Or pretend they don't exist. Right. Or counselors. explain yeah. why they're doing NFP in their marriage or talk about, they don't want to have to talk about um, why they take certain stances on social issues or why they go to confession when they feel that they've fallen short. Um, and I've actually heard pretty horrific stories of, of secular counselors saying, like, oh, you just need to get rid of the Catholic guilt. That's your problem. Um, I've heard that once or twice. Yeah. So Not I mean, in counseling, though. So I think from <laughs> it's everywhere. Um, so I do think that that's uh, the basis, right? That's kind of the, uh, on a minimum level, that's what I think people are seeking at, at the very least. But I think it can be so much more than that. And there are clients who really, we talk about the faith in every single session. We're talking about their faith life and their relationship with God and how that is impacting um you know, where they are with their symptoms, their mental health state. Um, you know, hope is is a hard thing, I think, to have kind of a formula of how we instill hope. If only it were that easy. Right. right? And um, we all had a bottle of fairy dust. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's that's a more difficult question. But what I see my role as a Catholic therapist being is – whether explicitly or not explicitly. So as you said, some people don't want to be talking about the faith in an explicit way. Um, I'm able, the therapist's tool is the self, right? So I can't put aside the fact that I'm Catholic um, when I'm you doing therapy. You better not. Right, it's impossible. Um, and so in using myself, when I see people, I'm able to see their dignity and their worth in a way that goes beyond just, well, you're human, so you have worth, right? Which is kind of the secular counseling world's um, idea about that. So I feel like I get to be kind of a vehicle of mercy for people in a time when they're feeling really bad about their lives, whether it's choices that they've made or things that they were a victim of. Um, I'm able to really extend that mercy and that love to them. So I can't believe we're down to the last like four minutes or so. Wow. But is there an example? Um, and I know there's confidentiality mm -hmm. of someone who came in suicidal thoughts, maybe even has attempted suicide, was hopeless, but through counseling was able to, you know, kind of see the light and, mm -hmm. and, and get get a sense of hope. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, as you said, I can't give any specific examples. What I would say is just look at those numbers. Right. So we know that many, many more people have suicidal thoughts than actually complete the act. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's that alone is reason for hope. Um, I think there's a lot of um, healing that can happen in therapy with faith-based interventions, but also cognitive behavior therapy. There's a lot of ways to challenge negative thinking. Um, we know that our thinking does impact how we feel. And so that is a strategy that has um, provided a lot of relief for people um, who are struggling with depression and negative thinking. Um, I'll give an example, actually. There's a YouTube video. There's a man who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and lived. And he made a YouTube video, and it's called I Jumped. And in the video, he talks about how in that moment, right after his feet left the bridge, he immediately regretted the decision and wanted to live and wished that he had not done what he did. Um, and I, I like to believe that that's the case 
for most people. Yeah. That most yeah. people don't really want to die, but that they have lost um, hope that there are any other options available to them. And so counseling, therapy, and the support of your loved ones, and of course the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church can help to reinst- reinstill that hope, um, give people other options. Yeah, and I think it's important to remind people that we don't know what goes through somebody's mind at the last second. Right. That's why the church doesn't make a determination right. Right. as to where somebody goes. We're not God. We right. don't know what happens Absolutely. or what might have happened. Right. Or, you know, that feeling of regret mm-hmm. at that particular moment. So mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate you um, mentioning that. And so if somebody wanted to see that video, mm-hmm. which I guess you would recommend, mm-hmm. they can just go on YouTube and what would they punch in? Uh, I believe it's called I Jumped. Okay. Um, and it's a young man who who attempted off of the Golden Gate Bridge. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible um, story. But I think just his, you know, maybe God spared him so that mm-hmm. he could make that video. Yeah, what a message, right? Yeah, I mean, who else could give that message? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. A, a counselor couldn't. You, you haven't experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it really, I mean, this is such a, a, a difficult topic, mm-hmm. uh, especially for those that have experienced this mm-hmm. in, in, their, in their families or through close friends. Um, so again, if somebody wants to reach out, and we talked about if it's a crisis, mm-hmm. But if it's not at a crisis stage yet, can you remind everybody how they can get in touch with St. Raphael's? Absolutely. So if you're just interested in finding out a little bit more about our practice, our website is www.straphaelcounseling.com. And on our website, you can see a list of all of our therapists. And there's photos on there, too, which can kind of give you a sense of... Uh, personality. So or... if somebody looks kind of mean, you'd be like, I'm not going to them. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I'd never have anybody well, come to and me. And that brings so. up an important thing. So the relationship is really important. If you've seen counselor and it's just not a good fit and you just don't jive, you don't have that sense of comfort with them, try somebody else. It doesn't mean counseling isn't going to work for you. You guys don't take it personal, right? Right. Absolutely. So um, our phone number is 720-377-1359. And you can absolutely request, like I said, a risk-free consultation. See if if that counseling might be helpful and who might be a good fit. And also people can go on the Catholic Charities website. Yes. And under ministries, you scroll mm-hmm. down and the uh, counseling does come up. Yes, we so are now get a, it through that we are now a ministry well. of Catholic Charities, which we're very excited about. Well, I think, you know, the work you do is fantastic. Thank it's you. obviously would be hard, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be able to go home at night mm-hmm. and be able to disassociate a little bit and and be, uh, you know, a mom and wife or, or you know, whatever mm-hmm. uh, would be a challenge. So that really is a gift from God to be able to do that and to be able to help people who are who are struggling at this time. So, again, I want to thank Elizabeth Higby with St. Raphael's Counseling for coming in today and giving us some insight on this terrible epidemic of suicide. Thanks so much for having me.